The Athletic joining us. Hello, guys. The intent that he had in putting this staff together will overrule all of that, no pun intended. Yeah, you've got to get bigger and bolder every time, right? Call Mitch. Call Mitch. Call Mitch. Call Mitch. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic joins us on the 42 Degrees The Source hotline. Mitch, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How's it going? Good. Sorry we took you away from probably Mm. lounging outside and getting a suntan. No, no, it's a little (laughs) breezy out today, but it still works for February. Oh, it definitely works for February. Maybe it's God's way. Time outside yesterday. It's God's oh, way yeah. of, of of raining down the sunshine and the heat because he has already blessed Nebraska ball with a great season. Nice and an NCAA what appears to be an NCAA tournament bid, or at least it feels like it's. If it's not there, it's very very close. Yeah, don't count your chickens, John. I think I think it's going to happen, but we, um, you know. You, it's Nebraska basketball, so there's always a potential collapse around the corner. I don't think that that's the MO for this team, and, and I, I watched them in person last night and just continue to be really impressed with their ability even to play well when they're not playing well. Um, the last couple times Nebraska's been at home, it's not been a super smooth look, especially at the beginning of those games, and, and yet they've never really been in danger of losing. So um, as Fred Hoiberg mentioned after both of those games, that's a good sign. Mitch, I, I love looking ahead. It's it's a, I don't know why I do. So I always start oh, looking. Oh, what, you, Mr. Countdown, yeah, loves know, yeah. looking ahead. And so I don't mean to do that just, you know, given that there's still, you know, a month or so left in the season for them. But I, I am curious if you think that this can become something like the beginning of something, like a consistent team that maybe they're not making the tournament every year, but it doesn't have to be what it was for the first few years under Fred Hoiberg. Can this be b- the beginning of that? Mm-hmm. Well, you're looking ahead. I mean, I thought you were going to say you're looking ahead to March to to, mm. to to wonder if maybe Nebraska can get over that giant hump and win a game, but you want to look beyond that yes. and, just, and, just, and just say, well, whatever happens there happens, but let's, let's see what happens uh, <laughs> next season. Well, you know, Trev Alberts has got to go. He's going to have to go lock up Fred now. I mean, a, a, a year ago, or, or you know, even less, we thought, hey, what's what's Fred Hoiberg's status going to be, and and you know, how many games does he have to win to be safe this year? Obviously, that conversation has long since passed, and now I think it turns to, um, you know, he he's deserved something extra on his contract after after this year. He signed for three more years after this year, and. You know, just think a, a year ago at this time we were talking about Fred Hoiberg surviving his, um, you know, his metrics evaluation like Scott Frost, who didn't survive it, and, and you know Fred took a pay cut a year ago. So I think there's some there's some uh, turnabout to occur there, and, and Fred should should reap the rewards of this season. So if Nebraska can can manage to do that then you can start to look to the future. And, of course, you can look to the future before anything happens with his, his contract. But um, I think, it can, I think it, can, it can be the start of something. You know, I think he's found a formula that works. I, th- I think um, the assistant coaching staff that, that he's got in place does a nice job of getting the message across to these players, to, to, to players you know, on last year's team to a certain degree, and, and 
clearly on this team on how uh, Nebraska wants to play basketball. And is it going to be uh, a continuation next year of the kind of play we've seen in 23-24? Some of that's going to depend on the decisions that that, uh, the older players on this team have to make. And they've got juniors and Juwan Gary and Bryce Williams and, and Rink Mast who are all fifth-year players and very well could could leave to pursue their their lives, or they could get one or two of those guys back. And if you do, then I think that changes the outlook for, for next season. Beyond uh, whatever team you're affiliated with or whether you know, you're a Nebraska fan or not, if you are a fan of loyalty and riding out the storm, which mm-hmm. has been something that has been less and less um, a thing in recent years, especially in college coaching, this is a very encouraging story because, dare I say, three-quarters of power programs would have probably let Fred go two years ago, uh, especially with the new athletic director in yeah. and, the, and the persistence of sticking with it. Then you go through last year where they had a good finish. It was a certainly their best season, but it came up short in the tournament. But instead of, you know, putting out any bold proclamations of tournament or bust, at least outwardly, you know, they, they rode with it. It's working. And that's something we used to see a lot more way back when. And it's kind of nice to see it today. I think the big thing is that they didn't just stick with him and, you know, let him, let him flounder. They gave him the resources to be able to improve it. And a lot of times, I think in a lot of situations you might have seen an administration allow him allow a coach in his position to to keep working, but that coach wouldn't have been the, the, the favored choice of the AD. As you mentioned, Trev came in after Fred Hoiberg's third season. And at that point, they'd won twenty four games in three years. And there had been some positive energy at the end at the very end of that third season, and that was Bryce McGowan's season in Lincoln and, and, you know, he was, he had a good year, but the team didn't, you know, and even, even that little stretch at the end where they won three road games that didn't do anything to save the season. It was still a 10 win season. So you had seven win seasons. The second one was, was marred by the pandemic and in the end of the first one, you know, of course was too, but that was, you know, things were, were lost in that first season for Nebraska under Hoiberg uh, when when COVID came around. So, you know, you can you can definitely look at that and 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 use that as part of the reason why Nebraska was slow to get off the ground under Hoiberg. But I think really it's that the administration didn't just allow him to keep working; they backed him and supported him. Uh, and and he changed. He he changed his coaching staff. He changed his roster construction philosophy. He changed the way that he wanted Nebraska to play basketball. And from, well, a good portion of last season, which ended 16 and 16, and then all the way through this year, you're seeing the results. Mitch, turning to football, I want to go back to to your column from Friday, uh, which was titled, Nebraska's Matt Rule is entering year two with a clear vision and outsiders are noticing. You had a chance to, again, talk to um, some high school coaches around the state. And I wonder if you learned anything 
that you didn't know in, in maybe how they view Matt Rule or, or how he is operating? Or did it maybe reemphasize a lot of those similar themes from last year and the change? You know, because I saw again that quote of adults in the room, which I feel like is maybe the defining quote of Matt Rule's ethos compared to coaches before him. Did you learn anything new, though, that you didn't know last year or beyond? Well, he's continuing to hustle around. It wasn't a one-year thing. It wasn't like he was going to get his feet on the ground and went over the Nebraska high school coaches, um, you know, in an effort to uh, lock down the state and keep as many of the good players in the state at home as they could um, and then kind of turn their attention outward. They're continuing to show a lot of effort in the state of Nebraska. So I think that was – well, that wasn't necessarily something new. It was a, it was here's the latest on what's going on around Omaha and Lincoln, and I, I you know, I, I found it interesting, um, you know, validating uh, if you, if you're a believer in what in the, the energy that Matt Rule's putting into building relationships in the state to hear the story about last Wednesday and how he started the night in Lincoln with half of his staff at the Lincoln football coaches association event that filled up a a room, a big room in Lincoln um, with high school coaches to, to hear Glenn Thomas and and Evan Cooper speak. And, and then rule got out of there and and went up to Omaha where the other half of his staff was meeting with, with Metro high school coaches. So, you know, I, I don't know that that's something that a lot of head coaches would do. I think they'd maybe pick one event or, um, it's it just it shows a lot of hustle on his part so is it new no he's been doing that in acting in that fashion since he set foot in lincoln in november of of 2022 but the fact that he's continuing to do it um now that i think he has won over a lot of coaches already uh you know speaks to just their care level about uh what's happening within the state borders Rule said in your story, it's been night and day talking about the culture and how significantly better than it was last year. I mean, obviously you're a year in, so everyone is more familiar with what the expectations are and how it is you go about it. But are there are there different – what is it about it beyond just the passage of time that has made this culture better? Well, you know, those were comments from signing day, so I think a lot of people had heard them, and it was just some some yeah. quotes that I had not I had not used yet. Um, not to throw dirt on my own story, but it, <laughs> right. it wasn't. But it was still it something new. new yeah. It wasn't new earth earth shattering stuff. Like, hey, he, I don't want to g- uh, give the perception that like these came after he'd watched two weeks of mat drills, and he's saying, mm-hmm. uh, hey, we're, we're, it's night and day different. You know, this was this was stuff that he said. Uh, before they had really started in, in you know, the, the, the depth, the hard part of off-season training. And, you know, he's talking about the difference that he's talking about there, the context for that is that the players who, who went through this a year ago, it was all new to them. And it's difficult when you're, you're doing a, I mean, you're, you're doing a workout. Um, they go out to the, to the Hawk Center on a, Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. and they've got Corey Campbell in front of them and he's running them through a workout. And if it's the first time they've ever done anything like that with this coach, that's going to be more difficult to process. And, and, you know, it's just more, it's more difficult for your, to, to prepare your body. Whereas if you've done it for a year and there are a lot of players in this program who have been through this for a season, you know what the expectation is and you can prepare yourself better. So 
what was like the top level of expectation a year ago is now um, in the middle. Um, so that that's that's what he means by by night and day different. We'll hear more when you know when they go on spring break in a couple of weeks and and these mat drills are over and then they reconvene and get ready for spring practice to start on March 24th and we hear from Matt Rule again. I, I think there'll be there'll be more depth and, and he'll be able to speak to that more more clearly about the kind of changes that he saw in this team from February and early March of 23 until that same time this year. Mitch, do you think the Kool-Aid is going to be like really flowing strong Mm -hmm. over the course of this spring? Just like given some of these quotes, like now the players are going to know the expectation. Like I feel like by the time we get into April and, and talk to these players, talk to these coaches, that the vibe and expectation around things is really going to ramp up in a way that it's just kind of hard to in a year, in a year one or in first spring. That's a good question because I think they can take it either way. You know, I think that Matt Rule has a better sense now of how the dynamic around the state works and how excited people get. You hear him talk about that sometimes about mm-hmm. how, you know, hey, we're five and seven until we play kick it off against UTEP. So I, I think he might take a more measured approach because he knows that whether it's media or fans, that people tend to latch on to those comments, you know, stuff like, uh, night and day different. I mean, here I am regurgitating that quote or bringing bringing it up like two or three weeks after he said it. So there's a perfect example of of like going overboard with something. But um, but uh, so they may they may tone it down. Um, I don't know that that'll matter though. I I I think there's there's going to be excitement because of the new blood in the program, and you know you can't you can't you know unless unless like there's players getting injured and I'm not even going to mention names, but um, we're not, we're not going to do the voodoo thing here, but uh, um, it, it, you know, it, it, unless it's just like there's, there's, there's catastrophes that are, that are going off around the program. Yeah. I think it'll be a, a spring that's filled with a ton of optimism because I, I, I do think that the players and, and the coaches, they, they, they do have that feel. Um, I mean, you, you hear, you hear Glenn Thomas when when he came in, and he was pretty measured in his approach too. I don't think he wanted to create any big headlines with his 20 minutes that he did with the media a couple of weeks ago. And and, and still, you know, there's comments that come out of it about how you can clearly see that the direction that this program is going and it's it's rising up. So it's hard. I think it's hard for the coaches to um, to to speak. You know, whether it's like in front of a group of fans or at a press conference setting. Um, and and not get people excited because they're not going to say bad things about the team. They're they're you know they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna speak how they feel, and people are going to choose to be excited about that because they want to because they want to believe in the staff and they want to believe in this team. This is going to sound negative, and it's not meant that way. Classic. But I'm almost bored talking Nebraska football. Oh, here's why. The drama, yeah, it's gone right now. Right, gone. Yeah, it's not there. I mean, the self-inflicted silly drama is gone, and to, it is so refreshing. Okay, you need to go enter like a, a ten-step program um, ah. that can that can get you off the the addiction to drama that so many people <laughs> around. Nebraska football have developed over the last, I don't know, is it 20 years, 10 yeah, years, yeah. Know, five, six years, whatever. There's different levels. There's like drama level one mm-hmm. over, over 25 years, or, you know, you can say 50 years. There's always drama, even when Nebraska was winning. 
And, and, you know, and then it's just gone up and up and up and we get like dependent on always needing to have these storylines that are, that are full of uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. I'm, I I don't, you know, I want it to be interesting for sure. And it needs to be interesting in order for my job to work, but I'm, I'm tired of the drama. Like I'm, I'm, and I knock on wood because you never know what could all, what other shoe that could fall tomorrow. But I'd, I'd prefer for it not to be dramatic and to just have it be about football and and, and be able to um, learn the stories that are happening within the team and within the players because those can be interesting too. It doesn't all have to be um, whatever it has been right. for the last however many years. Yeah, and, and I, I, again, I don't mean to make it sound like it is a negative. It is a compliment to what Matt Rule has done here. And when I'm talking drama, I mean, obviously, and you mentioned it earlier, if someone gets hurt, yes, that's dramatic. But, I mean, those are natural things that happen in football. What about the jerky wars? That could be dramatic. Well, for you, that's yeah. why I'm hoping that the Cornhead folks deliver the jerky so that we can do the taste test. That's, I mean, if that's the kind of drama we have to settle for, I'm all for it because I'm getting free jerky. <laughs> yeah. So my, so my reaction to that was just like, give me a break. Like we're gonna be, we're gonna be interested in this. Like we're gonna care about this. And, yes. and it, yes. it's getting old. I don't know if that's what it is, but I, it's, I, I didn't, I didn't even want like jerky war. What it, what are we talking? I about still, here? Mitch, but, I still barely understand it, and I came into today proudly ignorant to the entire situation. I just, I stayed well, offline most of the weekend, and I'm happier yeah. for it. Good for you. I wish I hadn't read anything about it at all because it just made me dumber for the five minutes that I spent learning. Well, guess I'm not inviting Mitch to the big yeah, uh, sorry, taste Mitch. test Wednesday. Not the allowed. blind taste test between the I'll two I'll take some jerky, though. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah, sure. Well, I think we all would. Oh, yeah. Well, the listen, the pipeline folks have already shipped theirs. It's on the way. Mm-hmm. We're just waiting on the cornhead folks to reciprocate so we can do a blind taste test. And find out can't what we all just can't can't we I mean we have Coke and Pepsi we have um, you know multiple burger places that yes. you know local or national whatever can't we just have two kinds of jerky why does it have to be dramatic sure great question Mitch yeah that's why you're the journalist that is a good, good question. question though we never did identify another competing major potato chip brand to lay oh yeah maybe Mitch knows the answer yeah Mitch John posed a question earlier. That was there is like regular Lay's, flat Lay, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, them, just right? the regular Lay's potato is chip. Is there another national brand that just does a traditional potato chip? I don't think so. Pringles? See, Technically, apparently, those aren't chips. They're yeah. crisps. Yeah. According, oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, sure. not, they're not. Oh, alive. sure. Okay. Yeah, classic, right? Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, you're not talking like Tostitos. That doesn't count. Nope. Right. We're not just a- talking plain ass potato chips. Yeah. It's all a bunch uh-huh. of like. Micro brews. Of yeah, potato we got a lot chip. of micro local. chips. I still miss Guy's potato chips. Those were good. And Weaver's, too. Oh. Loved Weaver's. You know, the Guy's potato chips, they were a staple of the Royals on radio, the, the broadcast that I listened to uh, as I was falling asleep for years and years. I can yeah. hear the Guy's. Oh. The guy's song, um, the, their their little their little jingle. Yeah. I don't know how it went, but Oh, I've don't. seen they don't guys are gone? Well, they're not as prevalent around here as they okay, used to be. Okay, because I feel like I've seen these at the at a local grocery store. Yeah, they're just not. That I mean, bag is to, very, it, it grabs you. They used to advertise a lot more. Kent Pavelka used to read oh, really? for them all the time. Don't forget the guys. There's your signature bag. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. They look more like ruffles with the ridges in them than, than they do the regular Lay's potato chips. But yeah. 
I don't know. We'll have to find out. I, do, I think, yeah, I, I think that Lay's has, has, has got the market yeah. cornered in yeah. basic chip. That's yeah, why. That's good. why. That's why the cornhead folks should have gotten into potato chips. No one would have been mad. Yeah, no one would have been mad. <laughs> Mitch Sherman of the potato Athletic. chips and nil would mix well. Yes, it would. We love chips. Chips and football. Chips that's what America does, baby. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mitch Sherman of the Athletic. Mitch, uh, enjoy the rest of this wonderful day, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye, Bye Mitch. Bye. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. I always wonder if Mitch, by the end of the conversation, is like, what the hell did I get myself into agreeing to do this interview on a weekly basis? Probably. So chips. By the way, I, I think I figured out why guys failed, though. Uh, Jack writes, you can still get them at Baker's. Oh. Right. It's just they don't advertise anymore. Yeah. It's just not a... They don't have salt and vinegar. They don't have salt and vinegar. It's a failure failure of a chip brand. Oh, that's true. You need salt and vinegar. Yeah, they have have green onion. I don't know what the hell that is. Well, that's the same as sour cream and onion. Yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, Oh, no, but they have sour cream and onion. It's the same thing. So wait, their green onion chips taste the same as the sour cream and onion chips? Yes. Another taste test Wednesday. But they have no John, they have no salt and vinegar. They have have classic unsalted crap out of here. Unsalted potato chip? Yeah, for people who don't want as much sodium. Just eat potatoes at that point. Actually, potatoes? Have you had I've had the uh Lay's does a low sodium. It comes in a blue bag. Oh. They're actually good. Someone else comes in a blue bag, salt and vinegar later. Mitchell says Hy-Vee chips are better than Lay's. I can't remember the last time I had high V chips. I buy them if they the price is better and I have dip. I don't. I only buy regular chips to dip them into. You dip the regular chips? What do you mean? Of course. Like because, like are they Ruffles regular or no? Like a like a like a kettle cooked Lay's or a kettle cooked uh, high V chip? Interesting. What what's interesting? I don't dip kettle chips. Kettle chips aren't for dipping for me. What? Yeah. Why? I like I like the ridges. I like the ruffles and the scoops. Those but are why not chips. the kettle? I feel like they're... It's the crunch and the flavor of a dip. Yeah, I've just, I haven't tried Regular it, I chips are just a delivery service to me for the dip. That's why See, I I've, but always, kettle chips, I've always been a big fan of just regular potato chips. They just taste good. Oh, for mm. sure. But kettle chips also just taste good. I feel like it doesn't need... But I mean, that's the reason why the ruffle was invented. To dip? They have because ridges. it's more rigid and it could handle... Cause yeah. Trying to dip a regular Lay's chip. But kettle chips, those are no, no. sturdy. Right, Solid but, as a rock. But they didn't do kettle chips back in those days. Oh, in the, in the this early times? In the olden times. Before kettle. Mm. Otherwise known as hell. Oh, yeah. You just had to like put the potato on the rock <laughs> with the fire. Ruffles is like the goat of potato chips. Brian writes, problem with 1890 jerky. What 1890 did is a D move. Wow, people are out on this jerky. See, I want to bring peace and harmony to this conversation Prosperity by to my doing new empire. the taste test. John wants a handshake meme. Cross the aisle. On one side is Ted Cruz. I would be on stunned. On the other is Bernie Sanders. John wants to bring them together. I would be stunned. To a podcast. No, it's not Bernie Sanders. It's Jim Beheim. We established that Jim Beheim. And on the other side, it's someone who doesn't sweat I, through I, their I coat. I would be stunned if either of these jerkies wasn't good. It's jerky. It's I hard to be all bad. Good. It's hard to be bad. I just want to do a blind taste test, see which one I like better. Yum. So come on, 1890. Make it happen. Make for it us. happen. Send us some jerky. Give us some free we'll, stuff. We will give you a, John, fair for a hand and honest out. taste test. Man, Lefty John strikes again. Well, wow. I don't want to be biased. John's been I will more be. Bi- and more I could be biased if I have to month. buy one and I didn't buy the other, because hey, this one was cheap. Aaron texts in. I'll put it this way. Can you imagine if the 1890 guys doing something that would be a direct sponsor against the athletic department like a hot dog or pizza? Guarantee you won't see that. 
Mm. Yeah, so we won't get a pizza, an NIL Pizza Hut. Mm. Well, coming up next. I'm happy I didn't read any of this this weekend, man. That's made my day so much better. I'm, well, I'm, I didn't really read much of it either. I was look just at John and I. Look at we're happy. We're in great moods. Why? Because we weren't arguing all weekend about beef jerky, and we got at least some free beef jerky. Yes, exactly. Know. We got the best of this all the worlds. I didn't pay attention. I get to eat. The first I heard any of this this morning was Happer trying to explain it to me, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Also, now think about this, Nick. We know what's for dinner that day. Leftover beef jerky. Hell yeah. And rice. Jerky and rice. Wow, what a what a meal. What a meal it'll be. Coming up next, though. Mm. Jerky? No. It's time to end the practice of hoodlism. hoodlamism. You can't even say the our, word. Wow. On our basketball court. You can't say the word, then we can't end it. John's being a snitch again. On 1620 The Zone. <laughs>